Happy Friday, everyone. It's time for another weekend preview on the eve of week four in the Sun Belt. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Ferrari and Smith podcast. Week three in the Sun Belt brought a lot of excitement and media coverage to the league, but despite the increased expectations, multiple teams faltered. Now, as we move to week four, conference play kicks into high gear with four must-see matchups between some of the Sun Belt's best. Caden, week three was largely a week to forget for the Sun Belt. How can they get back up to full speed as we move into week four? Well, no, I think the biggest thing that's going to help them is them just playing each other. You know, we've seen a lot of these Sunbelt teams have to go against lesser competition, some higher competition, and see how those games shake out. But now we're going to see some familiar foes go against each other, some teams who are used to playing each other in this conference, more familiar with their playbooks and their game plans and things like that. But also see some of these new teams who are entering the conference and seeing how they fare in this new Sunbelt territory for them. So I'm super excited to see some of these matchups this weekend and see some of these teams finally that we've been talking about so much playing other teams stacking up against each other yeah it's fun to talk about non-conference football but it's more fun to talk about conference football and you know when we started this podcast Caden we talked about the Sun Belt leaning into regional rivalries and this is going to be one of the first true weekends where we see that strategy in play how fan bases travel so I think that's going to be a lot of fun we previewed the Georgia State Coastal Carolina matchup on Wednesday's episode and Coastal Carolina defensive end Josiah Stewart who Ended up having a big game in this game. Uh, helped us preview that matchup. But before we get to Saturday's action, the four games that we're going to preview, Caden, we wanted to take a little bit of time to recap last night's game between Georgia State and Coastal Carolina. Uh, Coastal Carolina went on to win that game 41-24. to Caden, you and I were on the sideline pregame for that one, and you didn't like the vibes from Coastal. They, they didn't seem hyped. They... I don't know. There wasn't a ton of excitement on the field. There, there, there wasn't as many fans in the stands as they've played in front of these first couple of weeks. They didn't seem hyped. But man, when that first whistle blew, Coastal was ready to play football last night. Yeah, so let the record show that I said both teams were not very hype. I thought both teams didn't have to, that much energy coming into the game. And we obviously come from a, a great game day environment at Appalachian State the week before. But this is one of those Sunbelt games where you have to bring your own energy and bring your own juice. And that happens from time to time, depending on where you're playing, who you're playing, and especially if it's a weekday matchup. So Coastal very much did what they had to do as far as bringing their own juice. They brought out the opening kickoff past the 50. Grayson McCraw call completed his first pass and it was a touchdown pass and that offense was clicking on all cylinders I mean it was just great to see it in person obviously on TV you do see how Grayson's just a maestro of that offense how he has it figured out like the back of his hand but when you watch it in person man it really hits a little bit differently his decision making just you see it a little bit up more close and personal and you see how efficient that offense is be all the different that offense can be you see all the different moving parts that are going on how it could be really hard and challenging for a defense to defend and it was very clear that it was hard for Georgia State to defend it that was for sure yesterday I think there were two big storylines as we went into this game that we were trying to figure out one of them is who is Coastal Carolina they're 3-0 and to begin the season but you know you have that win against Army that is a good win and then you struggle to get past Gardner-Webb you win last week but they're 3-0 and maybe I don't think we fully knew who they were going to be so that was one of the storylines the other storyline in the game was Georgia State 0-3 entering and Kane, you and I have talked and we felt like if Georgia State did not win that game, the path gets really challenging at this point to potentially get to bowl eligibility to, you know, maybe pick up even five wins this season simply because of the strength of the East. And 
Is it too soon to say that Georgia State season is kind of over at this point after losing and now moving to 0-4? It feels different than the 0-4 start from a year ago. No, 100%. I think it wouldn't be too ridiculous to say that this season might be over for them, depending on what their goals are and what their aspirations are. I mean, they have eight games left, and they're, none of them are easy. They go to Army next week, which is not a tall task. They have to go to App State. They have to go to James Madison. Those are not going to be easy places to play and get wins. Quite frankly, you've had better situations and opportunities to win games earlier in this year. I mean, the Charlotte game was one that they definitely gave up. The Power 5 competition that they played in the beginning of the season, it is what it is. But I think for them, if they want to make a bowl, they're going to have to go win every all but two games left in the schedule, which is going to be very hard because they have to play in this Eastern side that we talked about is so difficult to play in. And you have to think for them, what's their motivation going to be? I mean, the East is deep. It's very competitive. You're going to have to show up week in and week out, week out and compete and really take some pride in your work if you're Georgia State right here. And if you want to make a bowl, you're really going to have to push the gas right now and play your best football for a long period of time back to back to back to back. So I don't think it's too ridiculous to say that coming off of an 0-4 start. I do still think they're one of the better 0-4 teams in all of college football, but they just haven't been showing it right now. The injuries have been killing them and they've just been making too many mistakes on the defensive and not being explosive enough, enough on the offensive end to make it happen for them so far. Yeah, I think we saw that on full display last evening. You know, Grayson McCall, and you've already talked about him, he just shredded that defense. I mean, it. he was moving that football so easily the running game was really good. Coastal puts up 286 yards on the ground, or 272 when you factor in the losses. Um, but, you know, I mentioned the other big storyline going into this game was who was Coastal Carolina. I think we learned a lot about the shots last night. They are clearly one of the teams that are going to be reckoned with in that East. I mean, I think we kind of expected that, but we saw a statement game the final score last night, 41-24. Caden, it could have been so much worse. There was a touch. There was two touchdowns that were called back, one on a penalty, the other one on a you know sketchy reversal on a replay. So this game could have easily been, what, 51 or 55-24. Um, Coastal was dominant last night, and that's a really good sign, particularly for them because they still have several players, including a decimated running back room that are missing right now. Yeah, they're missing some players in that secondary, too. And I think that showed a little bit from time to time last night. I think they could have very well kept this game and kept Georgia State under 24 points, but they didn't. I think they do have some things to clean up. They did have some some busts in coverage, some explosive plays that happened against them that you're just not used to seeing from them. And they definitely have been having that problem a little bit. So I don't think their defense, as far as Coastal goes, is as strong as it used to be. But the offense is as, as efficient as ever. I mean, Grayson's running the show there. You talked about how effective the pass game was and how the run game was as well. And I think for them... They might have to find a new way to win compared to how they did in the past. I think they're very used to dominating teams, putting up a lot of points and having low scoring outputs out of the other team. But I think if you look at them now, their defense, they're giving up a little bit more points than they used to. But they're doing the most important thing in college football, quite frankly, and that's winning games. They're 4-0. They have to be feeling good about themselves going through the rest of their schedule just because it seems like they're going to get a little bit better and better every week. And when you have Grayson running the show, you have to feel good on both sides of the ball that you can play confident, play free. And no matter what happens at any point of the game, you're always going to have an answer. So I think for them, they have to be feeling good in Conway 4-0 to start the season. I feel like they feel like the conversation on the East has been kind of centered towards Marshall and App State after those upsets. They might be slept on a little bit. So I like Coastal with a chip on their shoulder. Winning football games is, is a very good place to be if you're a Coastal fan and if you're just Coastal as a program right now. 
You know I love stats, Caden, and there was one thing that stood out to me in last night's game, and that was the time of possession for both squads. Coastal Carolina held the football for 40 minutes of the 60 minutes of that game. And when you look at it by quarter, they really sucked the life out of that game in the second and third quarter. They held the ball for 22 of the 30 minutes in those two middle quarters. They just sucked the life right out of that stadium and really looked good. I think, you know, there's a really good chance perhaps, and I'm not trying to give away my pick on the next game we're going to preview, but there's a chance that Coastal is the last undefeated team in the Sun Belt. And if you had asked me in week two who that would be, it would not have been the Shants. So I think they're playing some good football right now and definitely going to be a team to watch out for the rest of the season especially with their offense right now and Grayson in the driver's seat. He has one of the rare abilities out of all the quarterbacks in the conference to really control the tempo and pace of the game just because of their style of their offense. They get four yards, five yards, three yards, and then a chunk play. I think they can really sustain drives and stay in the driver's seat in a lot of these games. And no matter what the defense is doing, just stay in control and control the time of possession. And we very much saw that. So yes, I think they have that that ability with their offense just to control the pace and the tempo of the game, and that's going to be a huge advantage of them going forward. It'll be interesting to see. Coastal's looking good. Georgia State, I think a lot of questions down in Atlanta that have to be answered over the next couple of weeks. Well, let's move on. We told you we were going to preview some matchups for the weekend. There's some really good, juicy non-conference matchups, but because this is the first major weekend of conference play, we wanted to focus on some of those games. And Caden, we have to start with the game at 3.30 on ESPN+. Plus. App State versus JMU. App State comes in off of that victory over Troy. I, I mean, I think some in that locker room maybe feel like that was almost a loss. So I think they're going to have a lot to show in this game. James Madison, meanwhile, they were sitting there watching that game last week. I'm sure that Todd Santeo and Chris Thornton were licking their chops when they saw how Troy handled App State in that game. But, you know, really the way I'm framing this, Caden, is you look at this matchup, App State versus JMU, and this feels a lot like Big Brother versus Little Brother. And the reason I say that is the Little Brother is always looking up to the Big Brother and wanting to aspire to be them. And if you're James Madison, you're making your transition from the FCS to the FBS. You have a team in your conference in App State that is probably one of the more successful programs to ever make that transition. James Madison wants to be what App State is. The question becomes, how quickly can they get there? A hundred percent. They definitely have the blueprint to do it as well. I mean, they have that FCS pedigree. They've been in championship games. They sell out their stadium. They have a strong football culture and they consistently year after year are, are consistent, which is the most important thing to, I think, making that transition is what what's the foundation that you're bringing to the conference. And I think App State very much showed in their transition that because they had those that those FCS championships, that foundation in their program, it made that transition a lot easy for them, especially in recruiting. So I agree with your saying in that aspect, but I think also, like you said, like you mentioned a little bit, JMU coming off of that bye week, they have plenty of rest and they didn't really need the rest because in their games, they were just absolute blowouts. They went 63 to seven and then 44 to seven the week before. I think they look at this App State team, they know that they're good, they know they're respectable, but they have shown weaknesses. I think that you mentioned it, the secondary from time to time has not looked good. Troy, did what they had to do throwing the ball against this team. So did UNC. So I feel like they definitely have some pages and some film to look at and take some stuff from and say, hey, we can move the ball against this team just because other teams have done it as well. But the thing that's going to be the biggest challenge for them is this is very clearly going to be the biggest test of the year. I mean, we don't know what Middle Tennessee is going to turn into this year, but 
JMU's stats are ridiculous right now because they were so dominant in the first couple games and they're going to be playing a much tougher team in App State right now, but a team that has shown some vulnerabilities in these first couple weeks of the season. Last time these two teams met was in 2008. JMU won that game. They came from behind. They scored 21 points in the second half, held App scoreless to win 35-32. You have to imagine App State's on upset alert here in this game. James Madison, again, the numbers, Caden, you mentioned a moment ago, they've looked gaudy here early on in the season. But before we get to them, App State, when we talked with people around the program last week and you heard coach Sean Clark, you know, in the post game, he talked about some soul searching on defense. And I think one of the biggest things that's hurting app on defense right now are some of these injuries. We still don't have a status update on Brendan Harrington. We haven't heard why he hasn't been playing lately. Assuming there's an injury there. Trey Cobb doesn't play last week as well. That linebacking core has really been decimated in this defense is really, I think, what's maybe holding App State back ever so slightly early in this season. Yeah, I think it definitely showed in the Troy game, especially if you watched how Troy was going about their offensive tack in the passing game. It wasn't very vertical and deep. They would take their shots every now and then, and the receivers did make big plays in those situations. But the underneath coverage was kind of lacking, and that's really where the linebacking core has to shine. You have to make sure you're in the right zones. I think some motions that Troy did before the snap got the linebackers a little bit out of alignment. And then you have to tackle underneath. You have to make the plays when you do have a receiver catch the ball underneath. You have to make the plays and keep it for a short yardage and not let a lot of yards after a catch happen. So that is a concern for App State right now. I think you look at them, they're playing a mobile quarterback, and that's been historically an issue for this team. You saw what Drake May was able to do with his mobility against them and how he had success. And I think Centeo brings a whole nother level of that. I mean, his mobility and the way he's been looking on the run, throwing the ball has been amazing this year. And then on top of that, the way he's running the ball, He's falling forward a lot. He's a big boy, 220 pounds. So I think it's going to be a big responsibility of this linebacking core. It's going to be interesting to see who's healthy and who's not for this App State game. But they definitely have a tall task as far as the quarterback they're dealing with and the receivers they're dealing with in this matchup. Yeah, Toddy Touchdown, as they're calling him up in Harrisonburg, Todd Centeo, has been simply outstanding to begin the year. You know, he came into last night prior to that that game between Coastal and Georgia State. He was actually tied for the conference lead with nine passing touchdowns this year. And the crazy thing is the two guys he was tied with, Bryce and McCall, have each played one more game. He still has yet to throw a interception. He has the highest efficiency rating in the Sun Belt so far this season. Toddy Touchdown is looking fantastic up in Harrisonburg right now. No, he's looking good. It's really hard to deny the numbers that he's putting up right now. Obviously, the competition is a separate thing and a separate entity as far as what he's doing. But for what he's been handed, I mean, we've seen a lot of teams play some of these poorer conference competition, non-conference games. And I think they haven't been as successful as JMU has and how how good Toddy Touchdowns has been. So I think you have to take it with a grain of salt, obviously, because of the competition. But he's dominated every single quarter and every single, single drive that he's played in this year. And that definitely should account for something. And we were talking about it before, I think, He has an opportunity if this is a beat-up linebacking core in a secondary that has shown some flaws to really do some numbers in this game. So I know that they're going to have a spy on him at App State. They're going to do whatever they can to stop him because everything, as far as an offense goes, is running through his success right now. And so far, he's been very successful for JMU. JMU leads the nation in total defense through two games so far this season. They lead the nation in rushing defense and tackles for loss per game. Their defense has been dominant early on this season. Caden, I know from time to time on this podcast, we like to talk about some sports betting here. And my question for you heading into this matchup, are you taking the over or the under 
on App State picking up more than 10 and a half rushing yards per game because that's currently what James Madison is giving up. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking the over on that. I think that really speaks to some of the teams they're playing, but you have to respect the dominance they've had. I mean, not running the ball like that, you just physically dominating a team up front is definitely something to hang your hat on and it's a good, a good way to start the season. But we obviously don't know the status of Nate Noel as well. And regardless of that, I think App State's running back room is very well proven that each of them could get more than 10 yards on any given carry. So I expect to see some good things and a, a little bit more of a competition for GMU's defense going against Cam Peoples, Daytrick Harrington, Anderson Castle, whoever whoever's handing the ball, getting that ball handed to them, per se, on App State's offense. Yeah, I'm saying if you're App State, you're handing the ball to Peoples early on in this game, you let him run for 10 yards, and then you call it a day at this point. But it's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, we'll get to our picks later on in the episode, but let's move on. Old Dominion versus Arkansas State. Uh, this game is going to be played up in Norfolk. It, it will be on ESPN Plus at 6 p.m. Old Dominion comes in, and they've been a very interesting team to begin the year. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech in the opener. Then they go to ECU. They play well, don't win that game, unable to force a turnover. They come a field goal short of upsetting Virginia. Virginia has to hit a walk-off field goal at home. Old Dominion's looked really good this year, and they could very easily be 2-1. and one. Um, You know, there's still some question marks, I think, at quarterback. I think the offense isn't clicking yet for Old Dominion. Um, they're not averaging a ton of points. They don't have a ton of possession. The defense has clearly kept them in games. What's your read on the Monarchs right now? My read on the Monarchs is they're probably very excited to be getting into conference play finally. I mean, they've obviously been handed a pretty tough hand as far as non-conference games. They've played their two Power 5 opponents very tough, and I think they've really been playing to the level of their competition, so that kind of worries me playing an Arc State team who was 2-9 and nine last year, not historically good. But I think for the Monarchs, this is their conference debut. It's their first time playing in this conference, and I think they've proven they can play against tough competition, and I think for them, you're right. The defense has been playing well, but it's just you're, you're putting too much on your plate, and as an offense, I think have to simplify some things we've talked off off the pod about the different issues they've been having with the offensive coordinator and the play calling things that they have going on there but if I'm them I'm making this as simple as I can for Hayden Wolf you have one of the best tight ends in the conference you have a very good receiver in Ali Jennings just create some easy offense to get the running game going get them in some two-man route concepts just to move the chain so I think in this game they definitely have to do themselves a favor and help out their defense by having just some easy access, good offense, and get those chains moving. But they're playing an Arc State team that can clearly put up some points, so they're definitely going to have to keep up with them. And I think Arc State's offense could very much control the pace of this game. Yeah, Arkansas State, they're averaging 34 points a game right now, which is good for seventh most in the conference. But when you compare them to you know what Old Dominion is putting up, it's certainly this game starts to smell more and more like a potential upset. Kane, we've been asking for two weeks for Old Dominion's running game to show up. And through three weeks so far this season, they're averaging 63 yards per game on the ground. Is it too early to just chalk it up to Old Dominion does not have much of a running game this season? I mean, they don't. I mean, it's obviously early in the season. They've, they've played some teams that are very good at defending the run. But I think if you're them, I mean, if you're a team who's trying to run the ball and the only team that runs the ball worse than you in the conference is Troy, which is a team who doesn't even try to run the ball, you definitely have to look in the mirror and figure out how to go about your offensive attack a little bit differently. So in this conference, it's going to be very hard to win. If you look 
you might, I, I'll, I'll be bold enough to say it. If you look at the top teams in the conference, as far as running the ball, those are going to be the teams that have the most success this year. When you look at the end of the year, whoever's rushing the most yards per game, I guarantee the conference winner is going to be in that top three, top four range. And then some of the worst records in this league are going to be towards the bottom. So if you're old dominion and you want to make a splash in this conference, you're going to have to establish that run game. I mean, Arkansas state has been a team that's very much pass heavy in the, in the past, but you see, as the years go on, they're even trying to establish the run. So that's the trend of this conference. I think you have to win up front to win in this conference. And I'm excited for them to play in this one just because I feel like this is their conference debut. They feel like they've shown they can hang with some of this power five competition. And if you had to pick any opponent from last year, just looking at the rankings, you would pick Ark State. Ark State was two and nine last year. They really showed they couldn't. It was easier for them to lose games and win, quite frankly. So they got their best matchup, I think, as far as what the other team has brought to the table last year. And if you're Ark State, this might be a little bit of a must-win game for you just because this new team is in the conference. They think they can play tough against some other non-conference competition, and they're coming in here to prove a point. So you want to say, hey, this is this is us. We're Ark State. We've been here for a while. We might not have been the best team in the conference historically the last couple of years, but we're here too, and you're going to have to go through us before you're going to have some success in this conference. So I'm really excited about this matchup overall just because I feel like it's two of the more evenly matched teams in this conference just to start off with based off that non-conference resume that they're both showing right now. Yeah, I think this game comes down to how well does James Blackman play in this game. And, you know, against Memphis last week, he looked in control through for a season-high 275 yards. He's had two or more touchdowns in two of his first three games. Arkansas State, they put up 58 in the season opener versus Grambling, 32 against a tough Memphis team. I'm not going to really talk about the, the game at Ohio State. Ohio State, obviously, is one of the top teams in the country. Um, but Ark State is an interesting team here early on. And Caden, I said a moment ago, like this game smells upset. It smells like Arkansas State might go on the road and potentially steal one from a team in that East. And if they do, things could get really interesting. I think one of the big stats in this that scares me about ODU is because of that lack of the running game, they've had a significant amount of less possession than opponents. They're 35 minutes in arrears right now in terms of possession time through three games. And they're averaging just 24 minutes of possession per game, which is currently last in the Sun Belt. That does not feel like a winning formula throughout the remainder of this season as we move into conference play. Yeah, and quite frankly, I think if you look at both teams, I don't think either of them have really showed, oh yeah, we have that winning formula. We've really figured out how to win, quite frankly. So I think it's going to be interesting to see which team can control the pace of this game, which team can control the time of possession, can sustain those long drives, and who can really win, win the line, line of scrimmage. I think when you look at these two teams, they obviously all have their little weaknesses and deficiencies on both sides of the ball. So it's really going to come down to a gritty win who can who wants it more who can win that line of scrimmage who can control the game less penalties less turnovers I think the team who plays the cleanest get brand of football in this game is going to win so I think it's going to depend on who can make the most of their snaps on offense and who can stop the defense the most so I'm 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 agreeing with you I think Arkansas State does have an opportunity just because of the way ODU has shown throughout the year that they I can't really control and possess the ball they do have an opportunity to put this team on upset watch I think it's a big upset watch for sure if you just look at the Vegas line and I think quite frankly these teams are obviously honestly, in my opinion, more evenly matched than that line showing right now. Well, next up is Troy versus Marshall. This game will be at 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. Troy comes in to this game, Caden, and I think all they're trying to do is forget last week. Troy should have won that game. And, you know, God clearly was a Mountaineer fan last weekend, as, as Coach Clark told us in the postgame press conference, because it took, you know, Chase Bryce putting on his Superman cape, the perfect deflection, 
to Christian Horn and then just an outstanding block by Caden Robinson for Troy to lose that football game. Troy was the better team last week against App State, and now their reward for that and that loss is getting to face probably the second-best team in the East in Marshall. Troy clearly got the short end of the stick in terms of scheduling those crossover games this year with Marshall and App State both being on their schedule. I think this game's going to be really interesting, though. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in the recap. I think the interesting thing about this game is both teams are kind of in similar boats as far as having disappointing losses, having the opposite team storm on the field, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond this week. I feel like Troy might be more disappointed in how they finished the game. They played a great game. They got it really stolen from them, and they played in a game that they deserve to win, but Marshall just played disappointing beginning to end just based on the brand of football they've played before, and especially against Notre Dame. They showed that they can play against the big dogs in this conference. They could control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, and play good defense against one of the teams that's one of the most talented in the nation. And then they go out there against Bowling Green, get taken to overtime, and then that's all she wrote. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see which team shows up to this game and wants it more because I think that's what's going to be it's going to be all about just based on how their week three went and I think there's a ton of different matchups to look into this one too as far as receivers versus DBs running game versus linebackers there's going to be a lot of interesting things to watch in this game for sure I think one of the x factors in this game is Gunnar Watson he had you know another good game or he had a good game against App State last weekend he didn't turn the ball over he managed that game well He's got five total touchdowns this year. He's hot, back-to-back 300-yard games. I think Troy needs another big game from Gunnar Watson here as the starter if they want to knock off Marshall in this contest. Yeah, and they're going to need their receivers to show up as big as they did. We talked about in the recap, we were at that game, and those receivers were making good, tough, contested catches, getting yards after the catch. So Gunnar and them were very much on point, but I think their one-dimensionality on offense does worry me. They clearly don't really run the ball much. They really only use it as a means to get into the end zone. So when they're in the red zone. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch this receiving core and Gunnar Watson go up against really a defense where their strength is in the secondary. I mean, they're only average, they're only allowing 201 yards per game right now in the back end, which is really great in today's game of football. You have Micah Abraham, Micah Abraham on the back end with two interceptions already. Stephen Gilmore, Audrey Sam. They have a very good secondary in Marshall. So I think watching this game, it's going to be a very big matchup between Gunnar Watson, his receivers versus that Marshall secondary. That's proved they could lock up some of the league's top talent when you look at what they did against Notre Dame, but then also give up some stuff and show some vulnerabilities against Bowling green so i'm super excited to watch it if this if the game was a seven on seven i think it would be a lovely one when Caden talks about teams having good secondaries i listen simply because of his playing <laughs> career so i think that's going to be interesting another thing to note is we have heard through the grapevine that carlton marshall is expected to play in this game he missed that app state game he's the heart and soul of that troy defense so perhaps another big player and they're going to need it because marshall runs the football as good as anyone in this conference, although they are coming off of a season low. Caden, get this number, 191 yards on the ground. This is a Marshall team that's been averaging close to 300 rushing yards per game to begin the season. Caitlin Laybourne looks like he's been reborn at this point up at Marshall. They're doing this running game and putting these numbers up all without probably the best running back in the Sun Belt on the field in Rashina Lee. Um, but they need to control the time of possession. If they can get this running game going early, it's going to be a potentially long day for Troy. 
Yeah, and I think just like I was just talking about how it's going to be very much hinged on the DBs of Marshall versus the receivers of Troy. I think if you look at the opposite side of the ball, the strength of that Marshall offense is that running game and that running attack. And then if you look at Troy's defense, if they get called to Marshall back, one of the best matchups, I just I can just close my eyes and picture Laybourne and Marshall hitting in the hole and seeing how that matchup goes. So I think it's going to be a huge task as well controlling that line of scrimmage. The offensive line has played fantastic for Marshall as far as the run game goes. In the past game, they've given up a couple sacks. They need to definitely protect Columbia a little bit better. But yeah, you look at Claiborne, he's having 100 plus yards per game. He needs to clean up those fumbles. Those two fumbles in the Bowling Green game were absolutely crucial. And you got to take better care of the football. But I'm definitely excited to see him in this running back core for Marshall go up against Carlton Marshall. Oh, not Marshall. Sorry, Troy. He and Carlton Marshall and Troy mixed up. Go up against Carlton Marshall, who's obviously proved he can get a bunch of tackles and be a monster on that side of the ball. So I'm super excited to watch the run game going up against the the run defense of Troy and then vice versa in the pass game with Marshall going against um, the receiving core of Troy. Yeah, you and I have talked, and I think the one thing that we would still like to see out of Marshall is Henry Columbia has been good this season. He's a 78% passer. He's not turning the ball over 229 yards a game, but has those four touchdown passes. Caden, you and I were talking, and I think what we would still like to see Marshall figure out is who is that number one receiver that they can go to. They've got a couple of guys, Corey Gamage, Caleb McMillan, Talik Keaton. They each all have about 130, 140 yards of receiving this year. I think that's something to watch out for in this game is can they start to establish who that number one receiver is, and can Columbia start to find you know more offense through the air? Yeah, I think if you're Columbia, you have to step up a little bit more. He got off to a pretty hot start in the Bowling Green game, and then his stock just went down and down and down ever since. So I think he has to get into a rhythm, and I think it is hard and challenging for a quarterback to get into a rhythm when you run the ball so much. So I think you have to just establish that timing with your receivers throughout the week and get things right on that end because you're not going to get as many opportunities to pass the ball as you are to run the ball. They've already proven that's the formula they're going to go with this week. So I, I want to call him a game manager, and people look at that as a derogatory term, but I think with what he's handed the keys to the car right now, he's his job is not to lose this game. He's, he's going to hand the ball off more than he throws it, and it's his job not to turn the ball over and to make sure that they can move the chains when they need to. So I think out of him, you obviously have to protect him a little bit more. Got sacked four times against Bowling Green, which is just not going not gonna to cut it against a team like that. He's going to see much better pass rushes in this league, especially when you look at what Josiah Stewart did at Coastal and just throughout the season. So I think for them, they definitely need a little bit more out of him. It's going to be interesting to see if they get down, how they have to lean on him, if they still abandon the run game. So I think for him, has to just come out with more confidence and has to come out moving these chains for this team or else it's going to be a, a hard time for them because their running game is such a strong part of their offense. Marshall gave up 24 points through the first two weeks of the season. They gave up 34 against Bowling Green. So certainly that defense is going to be looking to rebound. They're going to play Troy. We'll get to our picks a little bit later on in the episode. I think this could be a game that maybe you and I disagree on. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, let's move into the game that I've been trying to hide, the game that <laughs> I'm least excited to talk about. We've buried the lead long enough, so let's rip the Band-Aid off and talk about it. And that's ULM versus Louisiana. Louisiana, those are my boys, Caden. You know, I picked them to, to win that West uh, before the season. And I can tell you right now... I. I Caden, are we within 30 days of me making that pick? Because I'm ready to take that back to the store and return at this point because Louisiana just has not looked good through the first couple weeks of the season. Obviously, there's still time to figure things out, but this is a game Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, have to figure things out this week because next week, Caden, they're going to play a South Alabama team 
that's coming and ready to beat them, ready to dethrone them in the West. This game's going to be at 8 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Let's talk a little bit about ULM. I don't really know what we can really say. How much have we learned about them? They've played Texas and Alabama. They've been blown out in both games. It, it, it's kind of tough. I, I, I would tend to believe that ULM is kind of just who they've been over the last couple of seasons. But we've also seen them play some really tight games against opponents in previous years. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm not I'm not letting you get that that 30 day warranty. You're, I'm not letting you return that pick. You can't have that one back just because my guys at South Alabama are looking so good. And I know that they're licking their chops right now looking at this ULL team. And I, I think they're going to be watching this game closely for sure. But the ULL, man, they're one of the luckiest teams in the conference right now. I mean, they're in the hot seat. I'm interested to hear where you think their panic meter is right now, because I think it's at an all time high as far as what you've seen from this program the last couple of years. I mean, they still don't have their quarterback situation figured out, but they are lucky, and I said they're one of the more lucky teams in the conference because they're playing a team they don't have to go far, first of all. And second of all, they're playing a team that's just not historically been good in this conference. I mean, if you take away this Nickel State win that they pulled off this year, they haven't won since weeks and weeks and weeks ago in October when they had an upset win over South Alabama. Shout out to my guys. But I think, like you said before, just like JMU's resume is very, very impressive right now because they've played some teams that don't look very good and they've padded their stats and look very good statistically and on film. You can say the same thing, the opposite for ULM, just because they've played Alabama and Texas. They have the, the toughest non-conference draw out of any team in the Sunbelt right now. And their stats are their stats are very down. They have the worst stats in the conference. And it's because we saw those teams, two teams play each other. That's two of the, the nation's top talent as far as five-star talent on the field, recruits on the field. So I think they've been put in a tough situation. I know they can't wait to play a team that's not that doesn't have Bryce Young and Will Anderson and Quinn Hewers on it. They're definitely excited to play a team that's They've proven they, they can hang in games with, you know, it's, a, it's an in-conference game. It might be some Cajun broil going before the game, some Louisiana vibes. They might be able to take some energy into this one. And if you're ULL, you definitely have a lot to figure out. I know you want to talk about all the different things that they have to figure out in this game because they do have my boy Carter Bradley in South Alabama playing next week, and they're, they're ready to take that Western throne from them. Kane, you asked me about the panic meter, and here's where I think the panic meter is sitting in Lafayette right now. I think it's a nine. And the reason I think it's a nine is I'm not ready to go to 10 yet because they still have a lot of really good pieces. That defense is playing very well. The panic meter would probably be a seven if they had a quarterback. And the age old adage goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. And to me, that's what I'm looking for in this game. That is the biggest thing that Louisiana has to figure out. They have to come out of this game with a starting quarterback. Right now, they have two quarterbacks that are splitting snaps almost evenly in Ben Wooldridge and Chandler Fields. Each of them threw 14 balls. They alternated series at certain points against Rice. You look at the last two games, nearly a 50-50 split. Caden, that cannot continue if Louisiana wants to play winning football this season. Let me get on the microphone and just say Caden Smith is not an advocate for in-season quarterback competitions. I think it's one of the worst things you can do for your team. If you're a very talented team, you can get away with. But I think every team should go into the season with their starter that has their timing established with the receiving core, has confidence in their team, and everybody invested in them going in because it's such a cerebral position. But this in-season quarterback battle, is like doing it during conference play, though, that's a whole other level of just absurd. I think you're going to play these games now that are going to 
really alter the state and the future of your team's championship success as far as winning this conference goes. And you're still trying to figure out who your quarterback is. I don't think it's good for the offense. I don't think it's good for the defense as well. And I think on top of that, if you're ULL, you're, you're, you've hung your hat on that run game for a while. And if you look at them right now, they're only averaging 114 yards a game. So they don't really have much going on offense. They have drives get three and out and stop. They're not moving the chains. They have their defense on the field more than their offense right now. And it's not looking like a winning formula. They've been able to win in some of these non-conference games because they have so much talent compared to some of these teams they're playing, but they have not looked good. And I think every week we said, okay, this is the week that ULL figures it out. Southeastern Alabama, Louisiana, they don't play great. They okay, they'll they'll wake up after this one. They'll figure it out. They go they play EMU after that. Not a great performance again. But now they play Rice and they have a loss. Now they have a loss on their head. And it's shown that okay, y'all really need to figure some stuff out. So they're gonna need to splash some water on that face right now, figure out who their quarterback is, and they have to leave this game knowing who their starter is gonna be for the rest of the season for sure and who's gonna man this offense and turn things around for that offense that hasn't looked great up until this week. If there is a silver lining for Louisiana, and because they're my pick, I'm always looking for silver linings. It has been their defense, and their defense has been one of the best in the conference. And, Caden, we've heard the saying, defense wins championships. So maybe Louisiana's defense can take them to a championship. They're giving up just 20.3 points per game right now, which is third best in the Sun Belt. They're getting to opposing quarterbacks. They're top four in sacks. Um, They're only giving up 362 yards per game, which, again, is top four in the Sun Belt. So this defense is doing yeoman's work trying to keep this Louisiana team together and allow their offense a little bit of time to figure things out. Yeah, and I'm going to show them even more love. I mean, 99 rush yards a game for a defense, that's that's great. And we talked about how many teams in this conference can run the ball so effectively. So that's huge as far as a formula of winning in this conference. And they're doing it on a team that's their defense is on the field all the time. I mean, it's ridiculous when you see some of the positions of their offenses put this defense in, but they're grinding it out. And I'm definitely interested to see how the defense plays moving forward, depending on how this offensive situation goes for them. I know if you look at the sideline of every team, there's an offensive side and there's a defensive side. And when one ball is one side of the ball isn't playing as well as the other one, there is frustration there. If you're a defense and you've been on the field for 10, 12 plays on a drive, playing your heart out, keeping the team from scoring, and you sit down and you don't know which quarterback's going to go in. And then on top of that, whoever goes in hasn't really been playing great. And the next thing you know, it's punt alert and your, your punt team's out there again. And you have to go back out there. That's a frustrating, frustrating thing as a defense. So I'm very curious to see not only the, the physical strength that this defense can maintain, but the, the mental strength based on what their offense has been showing them. So they have to figure out things on offense just to help out their defense right now at this point. Louisiana had 175 yards of total offense in week three versus Rice Caden. That was the lowest number of total yards for the Ragin' Cajuns in 11 seasons. The last time that they had lower than that, it was September 10th of 2011. They only had 159 yards in that game against Kent State. So another good thing for Louisiana, there's only up to go at this point. You're probably not going to have less than 175 yards. And you have to imagine that ULM is exactly what the doctor ordered in this game. So I think that there's hope for Louisiana to figure things out, but they better figure it out this weekend or else my prediction might go out the window next week when they play South Alabama. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, it's time to move into our picks now as we you know, get set to wrap up this episode. We previewed four great matchups. Caden, I did want to mention after the game last night that I'm 2-0 and this week and you're 1-1. One and one. Uh, We both took Coastal to win that game, but I had the over and I was sitting there on pins and needles. They picked up that final touchdown and I threw my hands up because we covered the over. So I'm 2-0 and this week, you're 1-1. One and one, So we'll see, you know, how things flip here as we move in. But let's look at that App State JMU game. 
App comes in a seven-point favorite over under sits at 58 and a half. Kane, I know you're nervous about this game, but I'm not sure you're ready to pick against App State just yet. Yeah, hopefully my record's a little bit stronger here. Shout out, shout out Coastal. I, I was definitely more confident in that over. The end of the game got a little dicey with, with some of the scoring going on with them being up by so much. But yeah, as far as the App State GMU go, get, go, game goes, I think it's just another one of those games that's a little bit of a trap for App State. You looked at the college game day hype that was going into the last game coming off of that A&M win, and you saw them kind of fall to it. They, des- they deserved to lose to that Troy team, quite frankly. And then again, they went on this miracle of the mountain part two play, and you constantly seeing it on social media. You're constantly seeing this Hail Mary pass again and again. And then JMU's over here sitting, waiting, licking their chops, feeling fresh ready to go against a team that has shown some vulnerabilities. So I definitely think this is a, an upset watch, and it's definitely one to closely watch as far as what JMU is going to bring and who's going to throw the first punch in this game. But you talked about it before. App State's still big brother. JMU has looked impressive, but I think the competition is something you have to factor in as well. So I'm not confident enough to pick JMU in this game. I think they the App State does need to keep their eye on them and take them very, very seriously. But I'm going to take App State to win it. I'm not going to take them to cover. I think that seven points right there. I think this game will stay within a touchdown, especially if App State plays that brand of ball they did last year, or last game, sorry, where they're letting the other team score at will. So I'm also going to take the overall points. I see this being a high-scoring affair in Boone, and one that JMU can keep this close in, but the App's going to ultimately win. So give me App State to win outright. They're not going to cover, but I'm going to take the over on the points. I think that's really interesting, and all week long, you know, I think the thought has been I would love to take JMU in this game simply because they've looked so good early on the season, but as I've thought about it more, it's, am I ready to trust those stats? Who have they played? I mean, Middle Tennessee, that might end up being a good win. They had a good, you know, win in week two, but, you know, they've played Norfolk State, and the numbers are crazy good, and at some point, those are going to have to go down. So, I'm not ready to pick against App State. I still think they're probably the best team in the conference. They're my pick to win the conference this year. I think if they can take care of business, that they're going to be the group of five representative in a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I'm not picking against App State in this game, despite you know maybe thinking that this game could be a very close game, a very good game. I'm going to go a little bit different than you, and I am going to take App to cover. I think it's going to be slightly more than a touchdown. Um, so I'm going to take App to cover in this game. I am taking App to win, and Caden, I am going to agree with you wholeheartedly. I think defense will be optional in this game. I think we could see 100 points scored in this game. So I'm banging the over on this one at 58 and a half. I just think we're going to see a ton of points scored up in Boone this weekend. Well, let's move on. Old Dominion versus Arkansas State. And I'm interested to hear how you feel about this one. Old Dominion comes in a five and a half point favorite. So less than a touchdown favorite over under sitting at 56 and a half. And I'll go first here. I'm taking Arkansas State to win this game. I think Arkansas State has a really good chance to pull off the upset in this one. I've been really impressed with their offense to begin the year. There's just too many question marks right now for Old Dominion. They've played well. They've put themselves in football games because of their defense. But can that offense keep up with a team like Arkansas State if they're able to put points on the board? I don't know the answer to that right now. But I think Arkansas State's going to win this game. I think Arkansas State probably does the lion's share of the work in terms of the over in this game. And I am going to take the over at 56 and a half. Maybe, maybe you're looking at like a 35-21 game or you know, slightly around there. I don't know. We'll see. But I've got Arkansas State winning this game. What are your thoughts? 
I like the pick. I think this is one of the harder ones to pick on. I think people can act like they know as much as they can about this game. But I think if you saw any result as the final score to this one, you'd believe it. If it was a blowout by either team, you'd believe it. If it was a close game by either team, you'd believe it. So it's definitely a hard one to have a pulse on. I'm not super confident in this one just because ODU and Arc State are so inconsistent in certain areas. But I'm going to take Old Dominion. I like them being at home in this one. They've played well at home so far. First time back home since that Virginia Tech game. So I think there's going to be high energy in the stadium in their conference debut. I'm going to take the points on them as well. I think five and a half. I think they win by a touchdown in this one. I think they have to figure some stuff out. And I think they do kind of play to the level of their competition. And I think that'll make the points a little bit lower on this one. So I am going to take the under on the points. I'm praying that their defense can really help change the pace of this game a little bit, not let Arkansas State just score freely at will. I'm hoping to see kind of like a, a 20 to 17 matchup that we saw against Virginia Tech. I think Old Dominion. Just closing my eyes and picturing it, I see them being a team that plays well at home and is able to control the pace and the environment in the game a little bit at home. Arkansas State hasn't shown me they can really stick in these games, these close games, and win them very well. So I feel more confident in picking ODU. But as far as the fashion they're going to do it in, I don't know. But give me Old Dominion. Give me them covering the spread. But I'm going to take the under on the points. Hey, another big X factor here. Hudson, our favorite puppy dog, who we still got to get on the pod at some point, will be on the sideline for this game. Him and his best friend, Zach Kuntz, uh, expected to play big roles in this one. So that'll be something to keep an eye out on. Troy Marshall. Caden, this one's going to be fun. I think we're going to disagree here. Marshall comes in three and a half point favorite over under at 52. I'm going to let you go first here. Yeah, for this one, I think, like I said before, these teams are both in very similar boats as far as what they did last week and trying to bounce back from that. But in a bounce back game, I'm going to take the consistent team that's just shown that they could year in and year out win games like this. And I'm going to take Marshall. I like Marshall in this one. I think three, they're going to win by three. So give me the points on that one. I'm going to take the over on the points as well. I think Troy, what they showed last week is going to be less of what we see for them the whole season. I think they played one of their best games. They played against App State. And I think that that's going to be one of their highlights of the season, honestly, if you look at what they're going to do this year, I think they did show some promising things. I am worried about the one-dimensionality of that offense in that passing game, and I think they do have a good matchup against Marshall's secondary, and I think Marshall's going to be able to shine in this one. So give me Marshall. Give me Marshall to cover, and give me the points on this one. I think I see Laybourne ripping off a couple long runs. I see Gunnar Watson getting the getting the receiving game going and getting some points on the board. So I think it's going to be more of a high-scoring affair than a lot of people think. So give me the over on the points for that. We could not be more different on this pick. <laughs> you're taking Marshall. You're taking the over on the points. I think Troy deserves a victory in this game. I still feel bad <laughs> for Troy after last weekend. To me, they showed that they're a very good football team going into that environment, playing in front of 40,000 fans. And, you know, again, they should have won that football game. So I think the football gods are going to shine down on Troy this weekend. I'm taking Troy to not only cover, I'm taking Troy to win. And here's another area that we're going to disagree. We're going three for three on this matchup. I'm also taking the under on points here. I think you're going to see these defenses show up. I, I think this is going to be a tight game. I mean, this game might be decided by a touchdown. Um, but I'm going to take the under on this one just because I'm still a little bit uncertain about the offenses for both teams. I like the running game for Marshall. I think Carlton Marshall is going to play a big role in this one. So give me Troy to cover and win this game, and I'm also going to take the under. So that might be the matchup that determines who wins kind of this week in terms of our picks because we're both completely opposite there. So I think that's going to be interesting. Can I give you a little advice, Noah? Do it. 
when you're when you're betting on sports, if you start using the phrase "this team deserves to win," I think it gets very very dicey. So I think you're picking with your heart a little bit in this one. I think Troy does have the talent and the capabilities to win this game if they show up like they did last week. But I think that's more of a flash in the pan versus going forward. But be very careful with that deserve win and that that heart you're using if you're putting some money on the line. That's for sure. If, if you're if you're gonna start betting on some of these. Yeah, I think that's great advice and definitely something to keep in mind for myself and also for our listeners, neither. But we're not gambling with any money here, so we can have some fun. Last matchup of the weekend that we wanted to talk about, ULM versus Louisiana. Louisiana, nine-point favorite in this one, over, under at 51. Okay, now I'll go first here. And when you look at this matchup, Louisiana's going to figure things out. Or, you know, I'm trying to stay positive at this point. So I think Louisiana goes into Monroe and figures things out. I'm going to make one bold prediction here that they will have a quarterback by the end of this week. Uh, that's a necessity in this one. I think Louisiana could potentially show up as the team that put up 49 points in that second half against Eastern Michigan. So I think they're going to play well in this game. I think they're going to answer some of the questions that maybe we posed, maybe lower the panic meter in our minds. So give me Louisiana to cover and win in this game. I am though going to take the under. I'm not certain that Louisiana is going to score a ton of points in this game. So I'm not ready to take that leap. The under has or the over under has consistently gone down this week. It started at 56. It's now at 51. So you can clearly see how Vegas feels about that Louisiana offense. Well, we might not have seen eye to eye in the Troy versus Marshall game, but we very much see eye to eye in this one. I think we both think the same thing. I think Louisiana has shown that they're not the team that they were last year thus far, but they're still not playing bad enough to where we can say, okay, ULM is going to come and beat them. ULM is going to cover in this game. So give me Louisiana as well. I think they do win by nine, but I do think I'm going to take the point under on this one just because I don't think either team has really proven that they can put up big, big points and do it at the right times in the right places. So I think this is going to be a little bit more of a scrap than people might think, a little bayou brawl between these two teams in Louisiana. But I do think Louisiana has a lot of answers they have to or a lot of questions they have to answer in this game. And I think they do that. You got to hope if you're a fan, obviously, that they take the over on this game and they dominate this team and they really use that momentum to go into some up play. But I don't think they've shown quite yet as far as points go. That's why I don't think that's why either of us are really taking the point over on this one because they haven't shown they can really dominate that. So their panic meter is high. This is the panic meter matchup for them. I think depending on how well they play in this game is going to depend on how low that sways. If they end up blowing this team out, all might be good. They might say the fans might say, "Okay, we have nothing to worry about." This is the ULL from the past. They just won forty-two to seven against this team. But I think it's going to be a little bit more of a scrap. So yeah, give me Louisiana. I think they're going to cover, and I don't, I'm going to take the under on the points for this one. Well, this episode has me excited for Week Four in the Sun Belt. I'm looking for a big rebound week after what was kind of a disappointment last week. Um, but we want to say thanks for joining us for another episode of the Frary and Smith Podcast. It was a great week. Really enjoyed the midweek interview with Josiah Stewart. Enjoyed watching the game last night down in Atlanta between Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Definitely looking forward to a weekend. Well, before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Monday morning. We'll break down all of the action from the games on Saturday, and we'll look ahead a little bit to next week's game. Some more excitement around the Sun Belt. But Really enjoyed this episode, and as always, we want to thank you for taking time to listen. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the Prairie and Smith Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you'd be so kind, take some time to rate the show or leave us a quick review. We love hearing what you think. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.